All right, welcome back to the One Percent Health Podcast. We've got Clarissa. Hi. And Nash. Hello. And myself, Sabe. Uh, we are going to continue on with Nash's story. Uh, before we do that, I uh, want to cover a few things. Again, we are not professionals. Please reference the uh, trigger warning and disclaimer about seeking professional health. Uh, we will be talking about health conditions and abuse and trauma and addiction. And there's quite a few uh, tragic stories that we've discussed that we will discuss. And again, if, if it triggers you, please uh, seek a professional and uh, read our disclaimer. All right, Clarissa, before we get into Nash's story, you have a lot of stuff going on this year, um, this month. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, so we are just getting into the final month before my pageant and before the first one of the year. And I submitted all my paperwork this past week, which was, it's, you're applying for a job. You're, I mean, you're essentially applying for a really huge job and uh, the paperwork is pretty intense. The contracts are intense and I got that all in. So I'm so excited. It's like a huge burden lifted because it was even, it was even like five days before the deadline. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Is this the second year you've done it? Second year you've done yeah, it? First, this oh, yeah. This is the second yeah. year I've done the same pageant. Um, yeah. And uh, it's crazy how just in the past two seasons, the contestants that I'm competing against are all so different. It's bringing a whole different light. But I feel like this year, like they're, everybody has their A game on. It's going to be good. Wow. Well, we're going to get into that when we go into your introductions and your yeah, podcast. We're going to go in, in detail. But... Um, these podcasts won't be released probably till afterwards. So we wanted to uh, highlight all the work that uh, she's doing right now. And also it snowed uh, a lot here in Utah <laughs> oh gosh, and so it much. was very scary to get to, to the podcast at the <laughs> office tonight. We're slipping on the roads wondering, you know, what are we are very passionate about this podcast, about what we're doing, about we, what we all do and why we do it. So we drove in the snow and slipped on the roads and we're here, uh, in our seats. Yep. So seriously. <laughs> All right, Nash. So heavy stuff that we've gotten into. And, um, last, last podcast, uh, we got to the end of, uh, kind of the, the lawsuit. Um, and you had talked about forgiving, uh, those yep. who, who abuse you talked about forgiving yourself, which I applaud even more because that's one of the harder things yeah. to do. And um, let's dive right in. That's where we left off. That's where we're coming in back into Nash's story. This is the third ep episode again. So Nash, um, tell us uh, the results of the lawsuit. We'll start there. Um, we're also later on going to talk about um, Nash's uh, conversion uh, back to, uh, uh, to Christ and, and allowing that back in his life. And then uh, thirdly, we will get into his artwork. So okay. let's, let's start with uh, what happened with the lawsuit. So uh, basically with the lawsuit, I got up every day and I was used to fighting. You know, you, you put on the armor and you just go to battle. And then one day it's over. You know, my attorney called me and he said, hey, they said uncle, no more. They're done, you know, which is what we all wanted. But it was still very shocking because you don't know what to do. I kind of get like maybe these guys who I have great love and admiration for people who go to war that are maybe military and they're used to fighting. They're used to doing this. Then all of a sudden it's, it's, 
you're back into the real world again. So when they have big lawsuits like this and they settled with us and we got one of the largest settlements in history. So they settled for $20 million. So in one lump sum and basically in order to divvy up the money, what you do is in the very beginning, you have to tell your attorney everything that happened to you word for word and every time it did happen. So I had to do that. I have a, a very great relationship with my attorney because, you know, when you have to tell somebody everything that happened to you and it went on for years, you know, you kind of get to know him. So that's what I did. Um, <clears throat> what they do is they go to a, it's usually a retired federal judge and they award the, the money on a point system. And so that's just how it goes. So if you were fondled or touched, um, then you got X amount of points. So if you were penetrated, then that's X amount of points. And that's, that's how they divide the money. It goes into that. And it's kind of on a curve as well, too. So we submitted all of our paperwork, and then we're just kind of in lull. Because, you know, they said, uncle, now we divide up the money and everything else. <clears throat> One day my attorney calls me, and I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, and he's like, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, um, and throughout this whole thing, there had been people that, they had committed suicide, you know, because it was just, they couldn't live with themselves. It was horrific. Um, and anyway, and I'm like, so what's up? And he goes, Nash, he goes, I, I need to tell you. He goes, you won the highest award. He goes, you had the highest points. And right then and there, I was like, you know, I, I won, but I lost. I'm the most screwed up of this group because... Uh, my abuse went on for years, you know, probably four years, you know, and once again, and I was like, I didn't know how to feel. I was just literally numb. And he's like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, yeah, you know, well, I didn't know what else to do. I literally went outside into my garden shed and kind of crawled into the fetal position and just cried. Because I thought even after knowing you won, I think yeah. it's important to, to, to point out yeah. that it's not a win. It's yeah. a realization that it might be over, but the the flood of emotions and thoughts and all the fight probably rushed in. Yeah. I mean, because once again, I'm like, I put on the good fight, you know, I did it, you know, and once again, there are people that were so terrified in this group that they couldn't look at this religious organization without literally going into the bathroom and throwing up or they'd be hiding in the corner and full-grown men would be just cowering in the corner and they're not cowards. That's a bad word. They were just terrified mm. to the point that they would, they would literally wet themselves. You know, these are husbands and fathers that are so afraid still in their mind, you know, they were terrified, you know, and that's, that's kind of what pushed me. Cause I'm like, I'm not terrified, but when we got it all said and done and they're like, congratulations, you got the gold prize. And I'm like, it's not really a prize. Reality kind of set in. And so, and the other thing is too, I, I sought some professional help and they were interesting, you know, and once again, it hit, 
it is what it is. Yeah. I learned that I had to, I, I had to heal myself, and and I did that, you know. And the other thing is too, I guess I thought about it the other night. I never went back to drinking. It would have been so easy to go back because I had the funding, I had everything, I had the reason, but I didn't drink. Talk about that. I, talk about that funding. What? How much did you win? Uh, I won several million dollars. So I asked for I, a, I asked for a certain reason because I'm going to ask a question up uh, in a couple minutes here. But we call it win. But as Nash said, it's not really a win. It's a no. settlement. It's a and, settlement. Uh, yeah. Keep going because that's it's important. You could have you could have you you came into millions of dollars. You could have easily go ahead and finish. I, I could have done whatever I wanted to. But the only two things that I ever wanted out of life was I wanted to help my family. Um, three things. I wanted a house because I didn't want to be homeless anymore. And I wanted a, I wanted a new truck. That's it. Everything else was, it was what it was, you know, because money doesn't fix you, you know. This yeah. money would never make me whole again. It wouldn't make it right. It just, it helped a little bit, you know. And I'm not right. lying to you. Riding around so, the car with you for last week, you've told me a little bit about this. And um, do you mind sharing with everybody how you felt when you received the settlement? I was just shocked. You know, I didn't know what to think. And it just came special delivery. And you're just looking at it going, hmm, is this real or not? You know, and it, it, it was unsettling, you know, because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. You know, I had the means and but I didn't know you where said I was you felt, going. You said you felt dirty having it. Yeah. You know, cause it feels like they're paying you for the abuse, you know, that you got paid for a service, you know, yeah. cause for me, that's what it was when these people were abusing me. I mean, they would just tell me that I was no better than an animal and I was put on earth to serve them. You know, when you hear that in your mind as a kid, it, it, it doesn't let go. It doesn't let go at all. And so now it's just like, oh, you got paid for your service. And it really screws with you. It screws with your entire life because I really felt like I was, I was in the bargain bin. I was in clearance, you know, and you feel like you're never going to be able to be loved. You're never going to be able to move on with your life. You're just in a really dark place, you know, and that's where I was. Money wasn't going to buy it out of me, you know. And once again, I still have scars in my body, you know, and it's hard to have a relationship because how do you explain to somebody, you know, what are all those marks and cuts on you? Well, that's a whole story into itself, you know? And so, yeah, go on, Sabe. I know you um, want to ask me the question. So, well, I just, I've been, I've been um, teasing you almost about, uh, yeah, you're you know. good. So, you know, Nash, um, has explained, I wanted him to explain about how he felt when he received the money. And, and, and I want you to get back into talking about, you know, what you did um, out of your, your big heart, as far as, you know, buying home and giving away money and, you know, talk about that. Cause you, you told me you basically, you know, what did you do with the money for the last two years? This, this has been a 2020, just to give right. some context around time. This is 2020. You right. won you you didn't feel right having the money. You've told me a few things driving around the car that just like blow my mind. And uh, go ahead and tell me <laughs> what did, what did you do with the money? 
So last night, you know, I was visiting with a friend of mine. He helps me with my artwork. And he had never heard the story before because I never told the story. For one reason, not many people knew I had the money because I had to keep everything secret for so long. You know, you can't just come into money, you know, and all of a sudden be having this or that because they're going to go, what are you, a drug dealer or something, you know? And for me, I gave away the money. I gave away close to, right, a little above $3 million. And what I did with the money was there were people, the people that took their lives, they were fathers, you know, they were men and they had women and children. They had their, their wives. Some of them had five or six kids and all of a sudden their father is gone and you're left, you know, you got mom and they don't even know what happened because the father never told his wife, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not a discussion that you have, you know, and certainly not a discussion that you have with your kids who are like elementary or junior high. And, uh, they needed the money and I didn't, you know, I was good with my little used double wide trailer house. You know, I had a little piece of land and a pickup. But you bought you talk about that because you bought a nice pickup I saw on social media a couple or about what six a year ago eighteen months ago. Yeah, my about, dream truck was a, a Chevy Silverado, you know, and that's that's all I ever color? wanted. Uh, Cajun red, Cajun red, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it was just I went to go look at a I went to go look at a a used truck, and I went to a, a Chevy dealership that I buy all my Chevys from and. The guy's like, do you want this one? I was like, no, I didn't want to use one. He goes, what about this one? And I looked at it and I was like, holy crap. That's like my dream truck, you know? And I was like, I, w- I was in awe. And I was like, can I sit in it? And he was like, yeah. I'd never driven nice vehicles. Yeah. I'd driven five, 500 bucks to $1,000 Craigslist, Craigslist car. So, And you, you were homeless at a certain point in your life. You wanted a home. You wanted a roof. You wanted heat. You yeah. wanted a bed. You wanted... Yeah. You wanted freedom with uh, four wheels and a steering wheel, right? I wanted to start my life over again. And I wanted the American dream like anybody else. And, you know, a vehicle and a house. I wanted someplace to call home. I didn't want to be wandering around. I'd been a gypsy and lived out of a bag. And I wanted a place to literally call home. And that's what I got. And the rest of the money, there were people that needed it worse than I did. And that's what it came down to. And I never got into this for the money. Money was like extra. All I wanted them to do was apologize and take responsibility for what Mm -hmm. they had done Mm -hmm. and to say that this happened and that we weren't lying. You know, stop calling us liars. You know, let's let's talk about that for a second because as when we get into my story in a few episodes, um, my uh, the person that uh, abused me also lied about it and tried to hide it and it took uh some time for that to come out and and you kind of shared the same thing that when you first went to the church they said no go away right yeah i i can i have empathy for what you just said and i need an apology i i mm-hmm. had a lawsuit on, on uh, as well and uh i settled for a recommendation a good job and for uh, recon- just recognition. I didn't even go after the money. I was also to- told that um, the way 
Brian occur, I probably wouldn't win in court. So I can, I can understand you not going for the money. You wanted to be recognized. You wanted the apology. You wanted conciliation and, and them to be responsible. Did you get that? Yes. Yeah. Because okay. once again, they had to say it in open court. They had to write it publicly, you know, that they were at fault. And after all these years of dragging us through hell, then they had to say, I'm sorry, you know, and once again, uh, I accepted their apology. And like I said in the last part, I forgave them because mm -hmm. I wanted to move on with my life. You know, I, it, it still resonates with me, but it's not like it used to be. I couldn't talk about this years ago because all I wanted to do was crawl in a hole and die. Like most people who go through any kind of neglect or abuse, you don't say wave the big sign, you know, but one of the reasons I'm doing this is because if somebody out there is in my position, say something, you know, speak up, go get some help. People will love you through whatever you're going through and abuse, neglect, addiction. I get it. I've been there. You know, you ain't going to tell me nothing about this. And so, yeah, but, but that's not the that's end of the story either. You know? Yeah. I wanted to go into, you know, the, how you thought about yourself when you received the money um, and what you did, because I think it's important to know all, all the context of it. To a lot of people, it, it might blow their mind. Why, if I had that much money, I, I'd be set for the rest of my life. And it's important to understand uh, the context that you laid out of. And I, and I, you being, we'll get into the art later, but uh, you're a right brain uh, individual. Great. And, uh, I've, I've known other right brain individuals and they do things for the passion, the art, for the, I think you have a little bit of that in yourself too. And you don't care about the money and uh, you did it for a greater cause. It sounds like you took care of um, some people that needed to be taken care of. Um, is there anything else you want to say about that before we move on to the next subject? I think it's, I, no. I think it's, a, a, you, you know, I've been amazed this whole week at, uh, <laughs> at, at you giving away the money. So I definitely wanted to give get into that. Winning a lawsuit, having me, you show up at my door with five paintings in the in a uh, in the back of your car with moving blankets, and you've given away all your money, and you're following your passion to to do a podcast, to write a book, to get your art out into the world. Um, it's an incredible story, and uh, you know, again, thank you for sharing. The You're trauma, welcome. the the abuse, the yeah. trauma, the 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 uh, the lawsuit, and um, I'll stop about the the money you gave away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the next subjects. What you know, you gave you forgave forgave your abuser, forgave yourself. Um, why would you seek a higher power again? Tell about how you came to to that. Um, uh, you know. The, how, how that all came about because in 2000 you were always engaged with um elders of the uh the church of jesus christ latter-day saints and you always you know my my son served in in montana just to give listeners uh, contacts and i was able to watch nash always uh, reach out feed them give clothing do you know provide service to him and he was always fantastic with uh all, all of our young missionaries out especially in the billings area you would take care of so i i watched this and i and i i was amazed at at that talk about 
kind of that process and how you accepted a higher power back into your life, um, especially after the trauma of it, it being associated to a church, to a God, to Jesus. And okay. if you don't mind sharing. Now, I'll start with a little story. So when I was quitting drinking, when I quit drinking, I never had a relationship with God. You know, when all the abuse happened, um, the first time I was abused, I tell the story, it's like a, it's like a tree and it's full of birds and a gunshot goes off and all these birds just go into the universe. For me, I think that was pieces of my soul and my spirit fleeing to save itself, you know? And, uh, yeah, I was, I was mad at God. I, I, I quit all organized religion, you know, it, it pains me right now that man for years, I hated God, you know, but I look back and God never hated me. You know, the farther I went away from him, the closer he got. And there are times that I didn't know how I survived. You know, I was homeless in a very cold region. You know, I got through that. But drinking was killing me, literally. And there was one point in my life where I just was like, I was in this crappy little basement studio apartment. I tell this story. And uh, there's, it was just a little one room, tiny, tiny, you know, maybe 100 square feet, just get a little apartment, some windows above. And there was a couch, hide a bed, and there was a wall. And I was actually sober this night because I didn't have any money. And uh, I, I didn't know where I was going to go. And actually, I didn't care. I didn't know if God loved me. He hated me. You know, I'd already lost everything. This is like my parents had passed away the whole nine yards. And uh, it was just a really, really horrible time. Because when you lose your faith, um, you lose a lot of things. Native American people say you lose your shadow. You don't know who you are. You're, you're lost. I had lost my shadow. And I didn't know. I didn't know up from down, sideways. And I didn't care, really. The only thing, my biggest thing was that if I did die, I still wanted to go see my family, you know? And I didn't know if I would see them. And so I'm laying there on the couch and literally out of the wall. And I'm not hallucinating. I didn't do drugs or anything, but out of the wall comes these dark figures. And if you think what the devil looks like, that's what they look like. I mean, they were tall, they were muscular, they had the legs. And you couldn't see their face. It was just black. They're horrible. They smelled. You could smell them. It smelled like wet dog and crap, really. And they were pungent, you know? And to the point that I'm laying on the couch, and I can literally feel the tail swishing above my head. I can feel the air moving, just like I am right now. And all I could think was, I'm, I'm dead. This is my last night here on this earth. Mm. And... They're just circling around. You can literally hear the hoofs clip clop. And I didn't know. I didn't know what to do, you know. But when I looked, this was such an old building and had the old keyhole style, you know, with the old skeleton key way back in the mm -hmm. day. And, you know, and I had fought God all my life. I had fought God since I was eight years old, you know. Like I said, we had no relationship. Even though he had shown me grace and mercy, I still did not like him. 
But there's a point in everybody's life. There's a point in mine where I'm like, okay, I could not do this anymore. And the other thing is too, when you hate somebody or you hate something, it takes a lot of energy out of you. It's a lot of work. I mean, to be hateful is a huge toll. And it had taken me to the very end of my rope. And so I just literally said, okay, God, you know, I fight you. I curse at you. Yeah, I hate you. But if you ever knew who I was, and you even thought that I had a reason to be here, I was like, I need some help. Please. And I'm done fighting with you. At that very moment, and it's crazy, through that little keyhole, this huge beam of light came in. And they say that the darkness... Uh, speaking of light. darkness, speaking of darkness... Uh, I'll be back. Stuart, of course, has to get up and turn lights on. That, how fortuitous was that? Today. Lights went, the, for those listening, the lights just went out on Clarissa as Nash was talking about like anyway. coming into a room. All right, sorry to interrupt. No, that couldn't fine. have been more timely, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, I'm laying there on the couch and this just huge beam of light just comes in and it floods the whole freaking room. When the light started moving in, the dark entity just moved. They were gone. They just dissipated. Mm. And I'm laying there on the couch and it's like July. It felt like July and summer. It was just, it was bright. It was beautiful. It was warm. It was peaceful. And hell, I thought I'm still in the same boat. I'm going to die just with light instead of dark. You know, it is what it is. So I'm laying there and I look up and there are these men. And they look like Roman soldiers. They have these big, beautiful headpieces on. They're dressed in this armor. They have the sword, the shield. I mean, when you think of angels, you think of like diapers and a bow and arrow for Valentine's Day. No, these guys were serious warriors. I mean, but when I looked at them, I could see stitching so intricate. You could see every stitch on their uniforms or their whatever, their, their clothing. Mm. And I'm laying there and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just speechless, you know? And one of them comes down and kneels next to me, and he's like right here. And it's just, it was warm. And I just looked at him, and I'm like, am I dead? He was like, no. And I was just like, silent. I mean, I don't know what the hell is happening, honestly. And I'm like, are you going to kill me? And he was like, no. And I can't see his face. It's just like warm, peaceful light. And I'm just, I'm just numb. I'm in awe. And he's like, it's not your time. And I was like, okay, you know, what do you want me to do? And he goes, just sleep. And I looked at him and I was like, are you going to leave me? He goes, no, we will never leave you. We will always be with you. And I was like, <gasps> and I literally just zonked out. And I fell asleep. I woke up the next day and uh, I quit drinking. 
I threw all my booze away. I did everything, anything. And I never, I don't know what it was, but I never went back to drinking. I've been clean and sober. I mean, and with all this, I gave it all up, you know, that was my little sign that there was a higher power, mm -hmm. you know, because I sure in the hell couldn't do that myself. I probably would have been dead that night. But as far as um, my conversion and coming back to know that there was a higher power, yeah, I was living with my sister. She was helping me get clean and sober. My sister has done a, a ton for me. Um, she probably saved my life more than once. And uh, so I'm, I'm at her house and I get, I hear this knock on the door, you know, and the knock on the door and I go and open it. I come from a, a world of, we're a basketball culture, you know, Native Americans love basketball. You know, mm -hmm. we're state champions. Everything shuts down for basketball. We're not so good in football, cross country. Mm -hmm. Yes. Basketball. We love basketball like religion. So I open the door and there's a missionary there. He's six foot seven, white guy, skinny, blonde hair, blue eyed. And he had an elderly senior companion with him. And I look up and I'm like, holy cow. I was like, do you play basketball? And he's like, <laughs> no. He goes, I play soccer. And I'm like, oh, that's a damn shame. You know? <laughs> he goes, and I was like, you don't play at all? He's like, I can't even dribble a basketball. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to talk to you right now. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was fall. It was kind of in October. It was raining, cold and miserable. And it was starting to rain. And I come from eastern Montana. We're hospitable people. And, you know, my mother probably would have beat me if I did not ask them to come in. So I said, come on in. Sit down. Um, they, I gave them something to drink, something to eat. And I didn't know what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was. I grew up either Catholic, Protestant, Lutheran. If you were a Baptist, mm -hmm. that was way out of bounds, you know? I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who they were, but they were nice people. Um, after 45 minutes, I'm like, okay, well, it was nice visiting with you. Mm -hmm. I've done my goodness. Get your crap and get out, you know? And, and on the way out, the kid was like, he goes, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, God, what's he got to use the bathroom or what does he want? You know, and my hospitality mm -hmm. is going out the window. And he looks at me dead on. And uh, I was like, what do you need to tell me? And he goes, God needs you. I was like, whoa. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. thanks. Bye. And I closed the door. That. But honestly, those were, huh? That was bold. Yeah. Those words. <laughs> literally were like a hook that set into me. And I mean, it just it set into me. And I keep thinking, I was thinking, you know, I, I know God's helped me got sober. God helped me got some shoes, get some shoes, all this other stuff. But I'm like, why does God need me? You know, he's God. But from then on, every time I saw the missionaries, I'd be like, hey, how are you guys? And, you know, they were always kind to me. They were always generous. They would always ask me, can we pray for you? Do you need anything? And honestly, those little dudes just, I don't know, like raindrops just started filling into my heart. And I just, <laughs> I fell in love with them. 
this was over a course of that you took care of missionaries, fed them and invited them in your home and listened to what they, you know, of course, missionaries are out and, and they want to, they want to share their message and, you know, ultimately have conversions yeah. on a mission. And this is like 2012 to 2020. Yeah. It wasn't an easy conversion. I wasn't like jumping in it. Like, Ooh, I found a religion and I'm coming back. Nope. I was creeping into it. Little Why do you little. think? Why do you think you were creeping into it? Was it was it? Uh, it's trust. Um, unsure of trust. Okay. Yeah, I didn't trust anybody. You know, they were nice kids, but so was the pre. So was the person that did this to me. You know, it's hard to trust people. Um, today, I have trust issues. But yeah. Not as bad as it used to be, but once again, these were 18, 19 year old kids that didn't hurt anybody. I mean, and we're talking like innocent as the driven snow, you know? So I think it's important to point out that there were a lot of good forces working in your life in that 2012 timeframe after tragedy of losing your mom, your dad, and your um, this happened. You were trying to give up drinking. Uh, missionaries are knocking your door. Um, you're, you're thinking of going after your abusers and you started to get momentum in your life. Right, and all this was kind of happening at the same time, right? Yeah, everything. I think, was I think that's important to point out because when we start, when we open our mind and our heart, and we're willing to work and and uh, stick up for ourselves and believe in ourselves and fight for what we believe in life and to do the daily grind, we can create momentum. Yeah, for me, it was like climbing a mountain. You know, every yeah. day I I took another step, and some days, you know, I I guess meeting the missionaries and finding out who I was, I found out who I was, what I was, and my strength, you know? But the other thing, too, that I learned to do that was really important from the missionaries, from the church, and from other people was that healing myself was so important, but I couldn't go inside and heal myself. I wanted to, but I learned the joy of serving other people. When you act outwardly to help others and you do it with no, you don't want anything in return. You just want to help people and serve them and love them. I believe God puts that back into you. And that's what God was doing for me through the missionaries. He's teaching me service work, you know, whether it be shoveling a sidewalk, taking out somebody's garbage, just saying hello to them. That's, that's what it was doing for me. And it does that too for me today. We forget about ourselves for a moment. We see that other people are struggling and maybe it's not just yes. us. And there's tons of goodness that comes from that. My yeah, kids and awesome. I were just talking about that this week because we have a modern manners for teens. And the right. manner this week is you get back what you put into the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what you're saying is that as we look outside of ourselves, that that's when the healing comes yep. back to us. It's karma. Yeah. And, we, and, we, and, we, and we probably get tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once again, I, I love the joy of serving, you know, because it's important. And, you know, somebody helped me. Well, who am I not to help somebody else? You know, I'm not paying it forward or backwards or any of that, whatever it may be. If you need some help, I'd help you, you know, just because I know what it's like to be on the giving end and the receiving end and in between. So, yeah. So, so fast forward 2020, you decided to join 
church and accept the higher power and you got baptized. Yeah. Um, so do you want to hear that story real quick? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. So I had gone through all these missionaries. I loved them. You know, they were great people. And one missionary, ooh, he was a little rascal, you know. And I was eating lunch with him on a Monday because Monday was their P day, their day off, their personal day. Took him out to um, pizza. And his companion went to the bathroom. We're sitting there at this pizza place. And he just gets up really close into my face. And he's like, why are you not a church member? Why have you not converted? I'm like, dude, give me some space, you know. And he was like, you're perfect for it. What's holding you up? Honestly, I couldn't give him an answer, you know. He goes, will you do one thing for me? And I was like, okay, what do you want me to do? He goes, will you earnestly pray about this? You know, that's what missionaries do. They always want you to pray, you know. And I'm like, okay, if, it, if it'll give you some peace and you get out of my grill, we're good. I'll pray about it. So I did. And I'm not a lot of things in this world, but I am loyal. And if I say I'll do something for you, I'll do it for you. So I, I went home and honestly, I said, you know, God, is this the true church? Should I join? Because, you know, I wasn't real trusting of organized religion. And I didn't get anything. So he called me the next morning. He's like, did you get something? Um, no, God didn't say nothing to me. Goodbye. Click. And I hung up and I feel bad now. Cause I mean, I probably shattered the kid, you know, but that's, I didn't get anything. So every Tuesday I would go to Billings because they had like stimulus Tuesday. So you could go see a matinee and you'd get in, get a popcorn and a pop for like 10 bucks. It was a great package deal. So I go there and, uh, by this time, you know, everything had gone on with the settlement and I'm sitting in my truck and I don't know what to watch. And I'm like, I'm here already. And I'm still not really big into the religion or the faith, even though I had a stack of Book of Mormons, every video, every DVD. And I go in there and there's this movie and it was a Christian contemporary movie called Breakthrough. And I'm like, I'm not watching this, you know, but there's <laughs> nothing else on. So I go in there. This is COVID. So, right. This is where... No one's going to the movie, so they're having these. Well, no, these this, is, this is this is pre-COVID. Oh, this pre is pre okay. Pre-COVID, yeah, like a year okay. or two before pre-COVID. Anyway, okay. so I go in there. There's this darling elderly woman there, and she's sitting there, and she's just wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and she's like, "This movie's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna love it. You're gonna love it." And I'm thinking, I don't know you, but yeah, I believe you. I watched the movie. The movie's great. The movie's about this lady and. Her son falls through the ice and she just won't give up. She's like, you know what? God is God's God. God can do anything. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I love the movie. And I'm just like, okay. So I go sit in my truck Tuesday, man, like five o'clock in the afternoon, mall parking lot. And I really sit there and I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, God, is this what you want me to do? You know, do you want me to convert? Do you want me to join this church? Because I, I think the, the people are nice. You know, they're always feeding people. They're helping people. They've been kind to me for years. You know, these little missionaries are good little dudes. I love them, you know, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling God, I said, you know what I went through and I can't go through it again. You know, even though I'm older, I can't fall in that trap again, you know, and it just, it, 
it would it would kill me you know and uh so i i'm like i'm a knucklehead i'm like god give me a sign i'll take anything you know just hit hit my truck with a rock i don't know throw a squirrel on my truck i don't know whatever it may be can you give me a sign please so i stick my key in the ignition and i had satellite radio back in the day and i'd listen to 80s and 90s because that's my era i flip on the truck and it goes to a christian contemporary station and the song that is playing is god's trying to tell you something just listen to him that was the song and the, here's the kicker of it i couldn't get it off the station and i shut my truck off and it still kept playing god's mm. trying to tell you something i'm like okay and then at that very moment i just was like okay i get it and i literally felt this sensation of warmth just like when i felt when the light came through the keyhole mm. and i sat there and i friggin' started crying for like 10 minutes, I'm just sobbing on my steering wheel. And I'm thinking, what is going on with me? I'm in a mall parking lot and I'm like losing it. And I did. And I cried and I cried. And then when I kind of got my senses back, it was still hard for me to believe even then. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to call this missionary. And if he answers the phone in three rings, I'm going to convert and I'll go join the church. But if he doesn't, I'm always, write always it looking for signs. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm always trying to make a deal with God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if he answers the phone, I will convert. If he doesn't, I'm going to write it up to a bad day and I'm just going home. No big deal. You know, ring number one, gee, nothing ring number two. And I'm like, I'm almost out of the woods ring three. Hey Nash, what's up? And I'm like, Oh, and I'm like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, I'm ready to convert and I want to be baptized. And all I heard was, oh my gosh. And the kid fell down some stairs, literally. I heard the phone go flying and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just picking myself up. And he's like, you're not teasing me, are you? And I'm like, no. And he was on the other side of Billings. And I said, I want to meet you because I want to you know, just talk to you. So we went over to this restaurant. It's off 27th Street, and it's a 24-hour place. It's very busy. It's next to the hospitals and the baseball diamond. And so we get there like at 5.30, almost dinner time, and it's always busy because they have everybody. And so I meet him and his companion there, and we go in. There's like maybe one or two tables, and we sat there. I remember I ordered iced tea and some French fries. I think he had a piece of pie and a drink, and he had some companion with him that they were on exchange. I didn't even know who the kid was. But anyway, so we get there and uh, I just was telling them, you know, what had just happened. And I don't know, it, it was very surreal, you know, because I'd never felt like that before. But the thing was, too, I, I felt good about it. And part of me felt like I was becoming whole again. And it was it was a beautiful thing but I still didn't know how to feel about it, you know? And the kicker is too, we sat there for almost two hours, two hours. And the entire time we sat in this restaurant, not one person came into the entire restaurant. And even the wait staff and the cooks were like wandering around going, what the hell is going on? You know? And I asked the lady and I was like, does this happen? She's like, no. 
This is like our busiest time. Mm-hmm. She goes, it's like somebody's got a fence around us. She goes, and nobody's stopping. I mean, the waitresses were just like kicked back in the booth. The cooks were like hitting each other, dinging around because there's nothing for them to do. But mm-hmm. when the missionaries and I got done and we walked outside of the building, cars just started rolling in. People just like plowing in that place like a snowstorm. Was that a God thing? Yeah, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But I got to sit there and tell my story about, that's when I kind of opened up about the abuse and what was going on with my life. With, and with the missionaries else. you did? Yeah. You oh, know, wow. because they had, unlo- yeah, because they had unlocked something. And then I just went and told my regular missionaries that where I lived and uh, I just told them over the tailgate of my truck and they were just blown away. But ever since then, I took the steps, you know, I, I got taught, I got baptized. Um, I did the Melchizedek priesthood, patriarchal blessing. Those are stories into themselves. Um, I am a, I'm in good standing. I hold my temple recommendation and you served, you served in the presidency bishopric. That's yeah. I served in the bishopric. Yeah. I loved, I loved the church. It's gone from me. What year was it that you got baptized? Uh, two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. July, July 27th. Yeah. So this will be like my third year. So Yeah. And I'm a very, I'm a very proud convert, and I come from a very small area. We have a little branch, and I love my people. You know, there's only like thirty or forty of us that go to church religiously, but I love each and every one of them. But I love everybody in the community that I live in, because it's not that big. We all know each other. You've talked but, about potlucks every other week. You talk about how everybody gets together and takes care. As you've been up here, I've seen your phone oh, yeah. up everybody checks in with you make sure oh yeah they're like hey we had the potluck on wednesday we saved some food for you it's in the freezer you know and or or so and so brought their favorite casserole or ooh, you know and once again amazing people you know and i've gotten to where i've gotten to in my life god has gotten me here in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints if anybody asked me how'd you get here those two and but the most one of the biggest thing is the missionaries. One of them knocking on my door saved my life. You know, and I would tell people if they're knocking on your door or if they're calling you or texting you, answer them. They're good guys. I can attest to what they've done in my life. And believe me, they've done some big things for me to this very day. I love yeah. God. I love my faith, my religion. And I practice two religions too. So I practice the Native American religion of going to sweat and that part of it. But you can live in two worlds, and it works out beautifully. Believe me, it does. Awesome. Go on, save mine. Well, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, I want you to have all the time that you uh, feel you need. It's, uh, it's an amazing story. And, um, you know, I, I just keep thinking about where you came from and what had happened and how you've gotten to here today. It's an incredible, amazing journey, a journey of strength and triumph and courage. And it's, it's, it's just fascinating. So thanks for sharing. And there's during this time, during this time, you talk about COVID was happening. Missionaries were getting, they were having to stay in their apartment. They couldn't go knock on doors. They, they couldn't get out. There were things that, uh, you know, it's just taboo in, in, in what was happening with COVID and, 
you know, missionaries were getting anxiety out on the sure. missions because they had to stay inside and talk with people. Um, if you can imagine sitting in all day long and, and not having any work to do and trying to figure out next steps and how long this is going to last. And just the, you know, the, the COVID caused major problems with everybody in the world. And, yeah. and it really impacted the mission field. So let's talk about, to transition, um, how did the art start? This is part of the most amazing <laughs> To me, I, I sat in my living room yet, uh, last night with my wife and my wife, wife's sister is an artist. They're like, look at this. How did this happen? This guy's never doodled in his life. He's never done any oil painting. He's never had a medium. It's just how did this happen? So I want to dive into um, what started and, and to back up a little, um, uh, Nash is an artist. And he's figured yeah. out that he's an artist just in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And his paintings, which go to ynacio.com, Y-N-A-C-I-O.com. Check out his art. It's absolutely incredible. There's a theme to the art. Um, the colors, the how it occurs, how he paints, the story is is all just, it's out of this world to me and and i'm a musician and i've used his art on my album covers um and you can see it out there as well but you know i i, I when i first started seeing his art, i was like ash you gotta put this on sweatshirts and <laughs> let me let me wear it on my t-shirts let's not just put it on album covers so i'm amazed at the art let's talk about when it started and how okay so once again i had a great attachment with the missionaries because they were they're an extension of church when COVID hit, I had two missionaries, and um, like anything else, when I was going into the conversion part of the church, sometimes you feel you don't fit in, or you know, you're like, "Oh, I made this choice. Was it the right choice?" It's buyer's remorse, whatever. And I had, um, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know if I fit in. And so anyway, my one missionary, he got another guy on exchange. And this kid, and I was like, God, I don't know if I'm going to stay with the church or what's going on. So I met this missionary, and uh, he came from Utah. And, you know, uh, I love people in Utah. I love people in Montana, but there's just a lot of white people with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know? And that's a good thing, you know? But where I live, everybody looks like me. You know, we're dark, we're rugged people, and it's a tough area. A lot of good people, but it's tough. So I met this missionary, and I looked at him, and I thought, oh, dear Jesus, they will eat him alive. He would never survive. And so I bought him an ice cream cone. I got to know him for like 20 minutes, you know, and once again, we live in a tough area. There's a large, a huge amount of murdered and missing people. Um, it's just, it can be a tough area. Good people, but tough. And when I got done with him, I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I will take care of him. I'll watch over him and I'll make it my mission to make sure he goes home safely, no matter what. And I did this, you know, and, but anyway, so I got to know him and COVID hit and they would come over to my house and yeah, I mean, they were at my house from nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. Cause I mean, they would have gone stir crazy. Was it a, uh, was it against the rules? Maybe a little, that's the gray area. Nobody really cares yeah. about that. So, I got to know them. I got to love them. And then COVID, once again, COVID was getting worse. On the eastern half of Montana, we had no COVID. So the guys came one day and they're like, pull up in their pickup. And 
here's two 18 and 19 year old guys, you know, that I've dearly loved and they're crying. And I'm like, what's going on? I was like, Did you, I'm thinking your, your mom died, your dad died. What happened? And they're like, we're being transferred. I was like, both of you? And they're like, yeah, Nash, you're taking us out of here and we're going to the Western half of the state. Why? That's where all the COVID was, you know, in the bigger cities. It was just saturated. My sister's a nurse. She goes, that makes no sense. You're taking them out of a safe zone and throwing them right into the, the, the pit of it. Anyway, I was mad. I was angry. And at this point, a lot of emotion is just rocking and rolling inside of me. Because I think it's very to... important. Let me say something real quick. Because it is important. Um, I, I did serve a mission, and one of the things we are taught is, you know, we're we're just in a we're just in an area for two or three months. Yep. Sometimes sometimes up to six months, which is hard uh, being in the same area. It's hard and easy. You get used to it. You get to love the people. But we always know we're going to be transferred out, and it's very important after someone gets converted to get them acclimated with the ward and with the community the people had that happened to you at the time do you feel like you were acclimated into the ward i, I know the you stopped going to the church because of covid they started doing it remote but i i want to really highlight the point that you were really attached to who introduced you you had taken care of these guys and it was in it's and that was that's how you knew the church had you did you feel acclimated to the ward and 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 a ward is a congregation within within an area yeah those i did okay. yeah but i was just i i get i get very much attached to people yeah. you know and i can't help it yeah. because one thing they were just you know honestly i love them like they were my little brothers and you were like ripping family away from me and so the it devastated might, you when they got ripped out yeah, because i didn't know you know yeah. nobody knew what the hell covid was going to do and mm -hmm. people were dying and it was just devastation so here's two guys that i dear uh, even to this day i dearly deeply loved and i'm thinking they're just going into harm's way and they could die i, mm -hmm. I just, it, it was beyond my mind and no the church people where i go to church they are great and so i had a relationship with them and but when i lost these two guys i don't know something just flipped or Something happened yeah. because once again, and they got ripped away from me and I get that, you know, they transfer. Uh, yeah. yeah, they transfer. But the thing is too, when I'm still learning and these mm -hmm. guys really helped me with everything from um, Melchizedek priesthood, patriarchal blessing, they walked me through a lot of steps mm -hmm. and they were big parts of my life, you know, mm -hmm. huge, huge. And so anyway, when they left and once again, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of my own emotions Mm -hmm. that were slowly coming out of me from, you know, yeah. all the abuse and, and the neglect. You never, and you never know when that's going to come. No, I didn't know. And here's the thing, too, and I'll, I'll never forget it. They left the Thursday before Good Friday, and there was nothing going on Good Friday. We had no Easter service. I just felt alone and abandoned. I was like, yeah. I am by myself, back again. And so what I did was, go on, the light went off again. That's so, what I'm just, just, just as uh, we are learning how to do a podcast, uh, the Wi-Fi is not good tonight, as you can tell. Nash, we're breaking up just a little bit with a little bit of static, and we have an office where the lights go out every twenty minutes. And, You're welcome uh, to being real, yeah, real people. This we're is real this. people doing real things. Yeah. So, apologize for if yeah. it's uh, frustrating to any listeners. So, and so here, here's what had happened, and you know, and 
I had visited with the missionaries and the missionaries struggle. We all struggle. You know, I struggle with alcohol, um, adult material, smoking, never really got into drugs, but I was just angry and I, I, there's nothing I could do, you know, having the missionaries taken away from me started my painting journey. Hmm. I needed uh, what, to express what, myself. What, why, why didn't you pick up a guitar? Why did you go yeah. to paint? Like, yeah. what, how did you pick a medium? Because as, as you guys get to know me and we talk about music, it's, it's my thing and I have to do it. Um, why did you go to paint? Not a guitar, not a quilting. I mean, a lot of people go to all kinds of things. Why, why paint? Uh, well, I didn't have a guitar. I couldn't play a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I could really sing. And I had some leftover house paint and I had a piece of glass and honestly, I don't know if I went to it or it came to me is what mm. it came down to. And I know that night I was just mad and I was angry because it was the first night that the guys weren't going to come over. I wasn't going to see him tomorrow. I didn't know if I was ever going to see them again. And I was just frustrated and there was nothing I could do. And God just, I kind of felt like God put me in a bad place again mm -hmm. and I had to do something. And I just, it actually started helping me create a relationship, a deeper relationship with God, because then I had to learn to do one thing and that's have faith. And I had to learn to have faith over things that I have no control over. And I had to put these two young men who I dearly, deeply loved into the world and I had to pray and go, you know what, God, keep them safe. And just like you did, Sabe, I can't imagine what it's like when you put your son into the world for two years and you don't know what's going to happen to him. But you we know went, that we went and picked him up uh, six right. months early uh, right. because Jen, Jen had been diagnosed with MS and he was having back problems. He was sitting in, he was sitting in the apartment with doing nothing COVID and uh, my wife was, uh, not doing well. We weren't doing well. No one was doing well during COVID. Back pain. We uh, we called the mission president, uh, who you had dealt with, and said uh, we got to come get him. Enough is enough. So, was it right? Was it wrong? Well, it was it was the right thing for us to do, and so we did it. So, I'm there with you. And it, it yeah. was a, it. COVID did a lot of goofy things to a lot of people. Um, Seventy yeah. percent depression and anxiety with employers and employees and the globe as a whole skyrocketed it's, it's we'll talk about that later on in business and things that we're doing in business but uh, covid basically doubled anxiety doubled depression in all of us so yeah it it, it and i and i want to really explore this because go to winasio.com you can see the pain in the in the in the marks on the glass you can see the emotion you can see what nash was going through it's incredible and and the correlation um, I have, I haven't heard these stories. This is the first time I've heard these. So I, I'm, I'm, this is awesome and amazing I, how the brilliance came into the art, um, has context to pain, emotion, trust, um, religion, yeah. um, the theme of your paints as people get to know you, um, they're all male and, yes. and, um, I, I, I just understanding what there, there's something that opened up in your brain that you were able to go and figure this out and figure out your art was as you started painting 
and I'm jumping and I'm getting ahead, but it's okay. There's 580 something pieces. Yeah. All been in, it's all been in the last two years. Sure. Um, were you figuring the first few pieces, were they as good as two years after? Did it come right away? Were you no. learning how to do it? Talk about that. No, I, I, I mean, when I started painting and what I do is I finger paint. I know it sounds like you're a kindergartner, but it's true. When I, I was painting and I live in a rural area and I was just so mad and so angry that I didn't have a damn brush. All I had was my finger, literally my right finger. And I had some, a piece of glass. I had some house paint, some acrylic paint. Um, I had some motor oil and transmission fluid. I didn't care. I just needed to do something. And my first pieces are, oh, absolutely. They're just, they're, they're big, powerful pieces. One is of the head backwards or not backwards, but just turned up and he's just screaming into the universe. But that that's what I was website, doing. Right? Huh? That one's on the website, right? Uh, yeah. And so what's, what's that name? Just so people can reference it. Um, it's just the beginning piece. I don't okay. even know if he has a name. Okay. Okay. But once again, that's what was going on in my head. I was just screaming. And, but the other thing too, that painting did for me was it calmed me down. It, it gave me some peace. And when I could pour my emotion into the glass hmm. and I could look at it and I could touch it and part of me wanted to break it, but I couldn't, I just, looked at it like I was in love with it because that's what was going on with me. Each one of my pieces, I call them living pieces because when you look at them, you, it's like going to Las Vegas. You're never going to see all of it at one time. And as you get older and your life changes, the piece of artwork will change with you. I talk to my pieces and I think whoever gets them, they will too. They'll have a conversation. Talk about that. that. Talk about the process. Talk about how you get in. Talk about, um, well, before we get into that, um, you started on a few pieces. Did you do one over a week? Did you do that one that night? Talk about just kind of the beginning. Like, how did you learn how to? Because when, when you guys look at this art, you're going to be like, wait a minute. He hasn't been doing this his whole life. This is, where did this come from? So, so I haven't pulled up can i share my screen yeah go ahead and share the screen sure. all right give me just a sec but as she's doing that nash talk about those first few pieces the first three pieces um they're just they're angry they're they're mad they're hurt they're just they're torn apart you know because that's how i was you know as an artist i, I expressed what was going on inside my head you know i have a piece called gunshots in my head because once again, I have days where it feels like there's gunshots going off in my head. And that's the truth of it. And I just taught myself how to do this. You know, it wasn't like I took a class or a lesson. But when I was, when I was doing this, when I do do this, I have a conversation with God, you know, and each piece is a deeper conversation, you know, and I did three pieces that night. And I did all three of them probably in like 10, 15 minutes because I was just that angry and it was that quick. But it was like somebody popped the balloon and all that anger just subsided. And I looked right. at them. Okay. I'll go ahead so, and okay, here we go. So can you guys you, see that? For, for you that are just listening, com, and for you guys who can see the screen. Yeah, um, so 
Nash, is this your first one that you were talking about? Um, if it's on there, yeah. I've got a break. I think I've got to invite it to the stream. There we go. Okay. No. There go. No. That's okay. not it. Okay. So if you sorry, go to the very back, um, it'll say like this is one of my first pieces or the first piece. Oh. If you go through the whole website, nope. So here's here's I guess we can just give a little bit of a view so the Reference, viewers can yeah. be yeah. And then we can move on. So and if you listen, go check it out because it's I, I my wife and I and my wife's sister last night were just it's a it's amazing. And I got educated a little bit about the type of paint and glass and it's amazing. I, yeah. So Nash, okay, um I'll stop were, sharing now. Were you avoiding alcohol? Were you avoiding going yourself with substances and and you said i've got to do this or i've got to go back to drinking i've got like did you were you thinking any of that no honestly alcohol never came to my mind mm. because i was never going to go back to at this point i had uh you know i had my vehicle i had my house i'm never going backwards Love i don't that. ever want to be homeless and i'm not going to be drunk you know uh at this did point i'm like God, you brought me this far. I'm not going to go backwards and throw it all away. Was so, art was art an expression, or like I'm going to become a I'm going to become an artist? I'm going to no, when, no. Okay. Art was an expression. If you would have told me I was going to be an artist, I'd be like, "You're smoking crack." I'm doing yeah. this because it's my outlet. You know, I don't I don't play guitar. I don't sing like you say. I mean, I am I'm not a pageant winner like Clarissa. I'm none of yeah. that. I'm just this guy who. He lives in the middle of nowhere in my little double wide trailer and I needed something to get me by. It was my fix, you know, I guess it's become my addiction. But once again, I just started painting and I felt better. And, you know, but the next day I talked to my church members and I'm like, man, I'm upset. And, you know, and they're like, how are you? And, you know, I went to church and then the next night I'm like, I I'm going to paint again. It made me feel better. And that's Love what that. I did. Love it. And it just I, lo I love that because in so many ways, when we cope, we go to destructive behaviors and instead you went to a constructive behavior. So if we can switch over to what is constructive and what helps grow, like that's where true healing can come from. I never thought about it like that. I just needed something because I didn't have anybody to hang out with anymore. You know, my guys were gone and every night I was praying for them. But, and the other thing is too, you know, uh, I do a lot of weird things. You know, I, I paint in the dark because one of the things that I always think about, I came from a very dark place. I went through a lot of things in the dark and I was like, you know, I, I don't even know why I did it, but I'm like, what would happen if I painted in the dark? And I didn't know what was going to happen, but I started having like a, it wasn't a, it was, it's a ritual, you know, and it's not like I'm chopping up a dead cat or anything weird ritual, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, I, I can tell you this at two or three o'clock in the afternoon when I'm painting, if it's going to be a good day or a good night. And I paint from 10 o'clock at night till five o'clock in the morning. And mm -hmm. those are my prime time hours. But at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm, I'll tell you if it's going to be painful or it's going to be beautiful. If it's painful, it's going to hurt like a mother. You know, if it's beautiful, I feel pretty good about it. 
But when I'm ready to paint, and the other thing is too, I still kept in touch with my missionaries, you know, and like religion, 945, I was on messenger. How are you? How was your day? You know, it was just the little things. And they'd be like, you know, it's a good day or it's a bad day. I'm not going to do this. I'm going home. And I would always be like, and I went from somebody who got the crap whooped out of them. And all of a sudden I had become an encourager. And I was like, man, you, you don't want to go home. Just, just pray about it. Have a drink of water, go to bed. God loves you. You know, and I always tell them, don't make one bad day. Don't let one bad day make you feel like you have a bad life. Shit, if that were the case, I wouldn't be here. You know, you got to struggle through some things. But I would take their emotions, and sometimes I'd ask them, you know, what colors do you see in your head? Or do you have a song? And, you know, I had one guy that, you know, I followed him, and we'd have great conversations. And I couldn't do anything for him other than be like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna paint for you tonight. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to paint. That's kind of what I do right now. Uh, I'm really good at praying for people and loving them, and I can paint. I can paint like nobody else's business. Yeah, let's, let's go into that a little bit because I do music. I don't care to be a rock star. I don't care to be on stage. Um, I do music because I'm bipolar, and uh, part of bipolar um, I have certain parts of the day that are good and I have certain parts of the day that aren't good. And the parts that aren't good, generally my music can seem a little dark and depressive and it's not going to make people feel good at a church. It's not going to make people feel good at a bar that are wanting to hear happy, cheery music. But I have to do it. And and I take that emotion in in how I feel um, and I'm I'm avoiding drugs. I'm avoiding alcohol. Mm -hmm. I'm avoiding a lot of stuff, and I'm pouring it into to art. I have a constant source that will never go away for the rest of my life. Um, will I do music my entire? I don't know. I'll be involved with it at some in some way, and I'm I'm sharing this because I I I want, and maybe you don't know what is your constant source of you know when you talk about two or three at the day, you know it's going to be good or bad. Your, your your paintings are so emotional. Um, what is your constant source of inspiration? Is it is it is it the love of of is it the emotion of the abuse? Is it the emotion of the past? Is it the is it trust? Is it every is it is it you know reaching out to these missionaries and 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 your love for them? Um, what is it? I think it's all of it, but the number one thing, it's God, you know, because when I paint, I have a conversation with God, and sometimes he speaks and I listen, sometimes I speak and he listens, mm -hmm. but once again, I, I, when I'm ready to paint, usually I'm just where like, Where do you okay. go? Where, where do you go at two or three in the day to, this is- No place. I don't go any place. I'm, I'm just digging. like, no, I mean, it's like, I'm not like- going to the temple or the church, I could be driving to the store to get a corn dog or something. And mm -hmm. I just feel something, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once again at 10 o'clock, and if it feels good, I'm like that machine. Black smoke is rolling. I'm, I'm like that big diesel motor, just boom, 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 boom. I'm pumping. And then there are the times that I'm like, this is going to hurt like a mother. Because there are times that when I would, when I started painting, I had to go into a really dark place. A really, really deep, dark place. And 
but that's where I found some really, really good stuff. I could go in there with no problem, but coming back out, holy, that was a struggle. It was is this, a is this healing? Is this healing to go there? Is this, um, cause I, I know as artists, um, it just happened. It, it, it's always there for me and I, I'll, I will never escape it. And I had to deal with it. And this is how I deal with it. Are you having to deal with these emotions? Are you going there? Are you choosing to go there to confront things or to like describe that? To me? I used to, I mean, I would go in there to dig out good pieces and it hurt me. It hurt me mentally, physically, and spiritually. Cause it, it just, it, 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 it would crush me. But then there was a point where I'm like, as I painted more and had a deeper relationship or a relationship with God that I'm like, I don't need to go into this dark place to find good stuff. I can stay on the light side and everything will come out of the darkness to me. I don't go in there anymore because I don't need to yeah. and I don't want to. And it was part of my healing process. Awesome. So when I, when I paint... And I'm ready to paint. I stay on the light side and I just wait there. And sometimes I call into the darkness. Sometimes I don't. The pieces just come out of the dark mm -hmm. and they just appear to me. And I have a conversation with them. Some of them talk to me. Some of them, well, I mean, some of them are broken. Some of them are every emotion that you can think about. And, but when I'm painting, if they're, if it's a peaceful conversation, then I feel peaceful. If it's anguish and really, really bad, then uh, I scream. I'm like screaming for, for the whole time I'm doing this. And I have my music going and it's dark and I don't know what I'm doing. All I see it is in my head. You know, I'm like that John Mayer song, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. When I'm into it, nothing else matters. I leave this world and I go into a different place. Yeah. And, as, and I'm as just you, focused. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. I think um a lot of if if people don't do art, they don't do music, they and you witnessed this the other week with my brother. Um people want to understand. People yeah. wanna give they want context to where it comes from. They wanna they wanna resolve how is this guy is, is it coming from mental illness? Is it coming from abuse? Is it coming mm -hmm. from love? Is it coming from the light? And and I and I'm not and I'm not going to ask you to resolve it and to have all the answers, um, and and you may and you may, but once people see your art and they see how it's done, how it's drawn on one, and then there's another piece on the backside, it leaves people puzzled. How 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 is this so brilliant? How are the colors so? I mean, it's it's amazing and. And and to um, to art to an artist they can understand with therapists therapists use art uh, to in in their sessions they used it with my with uh, with a family member of mine um, to to doodle in art and to draw some of the things they were feeling so it's used in therapy I've 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 used uh, music to myself and I love hearing you say that your art uh, you started in one place and then you're able to you it sounds like you grew. Um, you acquired some skills and you didn't have one to the dark places to bring it about. But I, mm -hmm. I really encourage everybody that's listening, go to the website, look at this stuff. Um, it's nothing like it is in person. If you sit in person, it's got twigs, it's got a little grass in it. Uh, you can see the paint chipping. There's paint on the frames. There's some duct tape on some of them. It's, it's unreal. The pain 
the the healing that's gone on over the past two years again this came from nowhere um there's no doodling or anything in his past and to see how brilliant the art is and how organic it's come and the emotions is in it are are just incredible so i really encourage nash we probably need to wrap up soon yep. is there anything else you want to say about your art i i i I you know I apologize if I push buttons and try and no you you're know, fine. We, we all want to resolve and we we want to know where this came from because we want to do it too right but you know I I, know I don't it, know where it comes from yeah. I look at it and I'm like how the hell did this happen you know it's just one of those things but if people look at the art and they love it they hate it whatever it may be if it helps somebody then I'm good you know yeah. that's that's all I want is to help people. Because you're going to look at some of this and go, that's how I feel inside, but I can't tell anybody. And I get that. Yeah. But once again, if it helps you, I'm good with that. And that's it. So there's 580 pieces. There's more to come. Uh, mm -hmm. Nash is talking with some merchandise companies. There's going to be merchandise. There's going to be hoodies. There's going to be T-shirts. There's going to be stickers. There's going to be all kinds of stuff with his art. Um, we are... Uh, running out of time here uh, coming up on an hour hour and 20 is there anything else you want to share we've this, these three episodes were dedicated to nash and you getting to know nash and his story i'm so thankful that you um this is hard uh, nash has also been writing so, some of his stuff down today for for his for his book and uh so he's had to wallow in uh in memories uh for his book and then come here and get drilled by us podcast and open up share with all you guys so Nash, this is a it's a very spiritual and healing um, process. The art, the book, the uh, all the things that we're all going through right now, and this is why we wanted Absolutely. to do, do this podcast. So, is there anything else you wanted to say before we end the podcast? Um, no, I, I just feel like I'm very blessed in my life. You know, if you hear everything I went through, don't think it's a sad story. Don't think it's a bad story because it's a good story. I had to go through what I went through to get me here today. And once again, I have empathy and love for all of you who are listening. I feel blessed because I'm sitting here with, you know, these two, you know, this truly is a God thing. And you know what? I just, I feel really blessed. I'm good right now. And I always will be the rest of my life. Yeah. So yeah, I'm good. Well, thank you again so much, Aaron. Of course, anything yeah. I'm leaving out or. No, that's wonderful. Else? Thanks, Nash. Thank you. Okay. Next episode. We are going to um, get into Clarissa's story. Incredible Yay. story. Yay. Yeah, you're next. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm excited. And, and, and she's going to be doing, we're going we're gonna to try to have a consistent uh, time that we do this, but Clarissa's going through um, pageant time starting yeah. in March. So we'll try to get through it. Um, while she's doing yeah. all that too. And there's yeah. also, Relax. what else is, what, what, what is past March? So there's Miss, Mrs. Utah. Then what else? Yeah. So if I place in Mrs. Utah, then there's Mrs. America in Yay, awesome. uh, about four months after that. And then if I place in that, I go to Mrs. World four months after that. Yeah, a lot to do. So lot to do. I've and, got a and big run your six goal. Businesses and be a mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is yeah. super important to me too. So I'm here. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Nash. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks, guys.